Welcome to the Chase and Mikey Super Podcast Show. I'm Chase. And I'm Mikey. And today we have Chris Anacleto from Booze Brothers. Hey, everybody. There he is. Hey. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Super. It's the Chase and Mikey Super Podcast Show featuring Chase and Mikey. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to talk about Booze Brothers, pretty much, beer industry, yeah. and uh, part of it's going to be COVID-19 issues and how it's affected us, and hopefully some yeah. other stuff as well. Uh, yeah, so first off, Chris, what are you drinking today? Uh, I'm drinking our coffee vanilla stout, the Francis Bean. It's a 5% stout uh, with coffee and vanilla bean added. And this is a beer that we did not intend to can, uh, but we were coming out with it about a couple days after the shutdown. And so we threw every beer we had into a can. But this is actually one of my favorite beers we've ever made. It is really good. But speaking of that, the canning thing, how have you been like changing the way you guys can stuff or label stuff? Or do you think a lot of other breweries are doing that as well? Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird spot for this industry because almost every brewery makes their money, their real money off of draft beer, which is non-existent right now. You can't go anywhere and drink a beer. Yeah. Some restaurants, will sell growlers to go, but they're pretty much going through what they had in stock before. No one's buying draft beer. So we have been putting a hundred percent of our beer into cans, which is something we've never done before. Uh, thankfully we actually own our own canning line, which is kind of rare for a lot of breweries around here. Most people use a mobile canner, uh, which is a really awesome thing for breweries on a normal basis, but they do dip into your margins. So we own our own canning line. So we were able to kind of pivot, immediately and just say any beer that we had in a tank is going directly into a can uh and we're doing sticker labels which is super different so normally we have the label all the way around but now we're hand applying stickers to every can and uh it's a pain in the ass but it works and it keeps keeping our business afloat yeah that's rad has anyone (laughs) That's rad that, you know, you could still sell beer when... Yeah. Yeah. Has anyone come over and asked, like, can I just buy a keg for my kegerator or my house? Yeah. So we we obviously have beer that was still in kegs. Um, and especially in the beginning, we were promoting a lot of draft sales uh, or keg sales. And people were definitely taking advantage of it. Uh, you know, we changed our pricing a bit for it just to kind of move through it because otherwise it's going to sit there and go bad. So uh, it, it's a little odd because you have to assume that a lot of people who are buying like a full keg are doing that to be with their buddies and everything. But right, some people some people can polish off a keg themselves. I mean, yeah, I know someone that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we all know so i mean a keg is like 120 pints so you can you drink three beers a day you're gonna be I mean, that's that's 90 pints a month right there so yeah i don't know I think if I, like 
I don't know if I ever drink three beers in a whole day, but that's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of beer. Yeah. A ton of beer. <laughs> are the restaurants that you're usually doing delivery to and, and, and doing more draft beer, are they doing more uh, like cans and, and selling cans out the door? Yeah. So so some are. Some, some places aren't trying to put focus into buying alcohol to sell to go. Others try to do like pairings with their, with their food. Some people are ordering a bunch. Uh, liquor stores are definitely buying beer. I think those kind of accounts are up. We don't really sell to too many grocery stores. Uh, we sell to a couple and those sales aren't bad for us. I mean, we're definitely moving through more packaged beer than we ever have. Uh, but it's, it's kind of a plus and minus on both sides. You don't make the margin on packaged products, but it does keep us alive. It's nothing to complain about in this situation. Uh, and we have a delivery, uh, a sales guy doing sales and deliveries right now, even though that's not what he normally does. And he's, he's blown through beer. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we're not in a, cocky way or anything like that but i think we are in a better position than a lot of breweries again just because we own that canning line we're able to adjust immediately and we have like nine SKUs available in cans and usually we have four to maybe five at most um and we've been just blowing through beers we've still been brewing uh we just ran out of three beers about an hour before we jumped on this podcast and uh ran out of our most popular our point of vista ipa we just ran out of our double hazy and we, well, actually I think we have like one case of our juice IPA, but we didn't expect to go through beer that fast, but this is like a new world for us. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. New world for everybody. How do you think, uh, post COVID, like when they start doing like the phases and opening people up, like what, how do you, yeah. I mean, you guys are already cruising, so it'll probably stay that way. Um, but I wonder if it will, slow down after it you know like when people really yeah. start to hit on money and they're yeah. jumping, you know like they're because there's there's gonna be a hit oh yeah well so we saw an uptick in sales when they announced everyone was gonna get a stimulus check we saw an uptick in sales when everyone seemingly started getting their stimulus checks uh and we saw an uptick when around the time when uh unemployment probably started kicking in but i have no clue what to truly expect but i can't imagine this kind of assistance continuing for a long time and then when they start allowing restaurants and tasting rooms to open up at 50 percent capacity i actually think that's going to be more detrimental because right now everybody is going okay we're all in the same boat and we're, we're getting some sort of assistance once they say, hey, you can open back up, but, no, but you can only open up like this, but we're not really giving assistance anymore. Yeah. No restaurant or brewery has ever built a business model around, well, what if I only did half of what I could? Always per head. Yeah. And uh, I think if that is a lengthy plan, you're going to see some people go, you know what? I could try, but I'm going to spend time and money to essentially lose money in the long run. And you might see a lot of people just stay closed. 
And so because so many breweries specifically make their money off of distribution and draft sales, uh, if, if I go to an account that normally has 30 draft handles, at most, you can only expect them to carry 15 beers. So it's kind of this trickle-down effect where we all rely on each other and everybody operating 50% isn't going to work uh, for any sort of long-term plan. I don't have necessarily a better idea. I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to plan a reopening, but this is, uh, is going to be tricky. I think you're going to see a lot of fallout a few short months in. Yeah. Well, I was just going off of that too, like thinking that sustainably, right, that business model is going to be like smashing into a lot of the industry as a whole. You probably see that more than anybody else uh, in this little Zoom chat that we're doing right now. But um, is that going to fundamentally alter the way that business is going to be done in the future for small, smaller brewers? Or it, or is there going to be a, we're just going to sit back until we can all do it hundred percent? Well, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for anybody else, but when you think about it, like if we have to operate at 50% capacity and that becomes less enjoyable for everybody involved, right? The consumer, the brewer, the brewery. So you're probably going to see a lot of people who are going to go, I don't even want to waste my time going to a restaurant or a brewery, I'm just going to take it to go. I'm going to have a barbecue in my backyard. So I think it's going to change the dynamic of how people are able to give beer to go or food to go. So you're probably like with restaurants, you're probably going to see a lot of food restaurants. Well, every restaurant's the food restaurant, but you're going to probably see a lot more restaurants catering to what kind of food works well to go rather than what works well right there in front of you one minute in. Uh, and as far as our brewery, and I can see a lot of breweries, I think to-go sales are going to pick up. But again, the margin isn't there for to-go beer. So you're going to have to see people getting creative. Uh, I mean, if you have to operate less at a, at a lower capacity, you'll probably see less staff on. So there's all sorts of ways that you're going to see adjustments. But it's really hard to give too much. I, sorry. I was just having this conversation with another brewery owner yesterday. And what we were discussing was it's hard to make a big plan when everything changes so much on a weekly basis. I could come up with a, with a badass plan potentially that I think would work great. And in one week, they might tell us something completely different. It's like, why am I putting all this work into something that we don't know how it's going to go about? Yeah. Do you think uh, trends or styles of beer are going to have to like uh, be shelled as well. Do some beers move better and quicker than other beers? Yeah. So that's kind of a tricky one for, for myself to answer, especially our brewery, because we've always done, we've always teetered that line about beers that are popular or what we just really appreciate making. And with this new thing, we said, let's start brewing a lot more hazies than we normally do hazies have become more than just a trend it's here but we've never had more than one hazy beer on at a time and we released a triple hazy the week all of this went down uh we just came out of the double hazy we just brewed a mango hazy so we've kind of teetered a little bit more on the trendy beer just to make sure people are coming in um but 
you're going to have to see shelf stable beers because people are going to go into way more of a distribution mode where you make a beer that can go sit on a shelf in case it's not moving where a lot of people are back sweetening beers that are only draft only. And that's kind of saying I'm adding fruit additions to our beer that if it's kept in a cold box all the time, uh, works well. But if you put it in a can and that can warms up, it might start fermenting and you might get like a, an explosion beer, which is crazy. Yeah. Hmm. Have you, uh, have you seen, or I know you, you're kind of keeping a look with most of the breweries in San Diego. Have you talked to anyone or heard from breweries, you don't have to name, but they have had some worries about like, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the Brewers Association, which is like who all the breweries rely on actually in the entire country, uh, it's like the number one organization we all default to. They took a study and it was like 46% of breweries said if this lasts for three months, we're going to go out of business. Yeah. So granted, they didn't get a, a, a tally from every single brewery in the nation. But, uh, you know, one of our neighbors, Iron Fist, they just went out of business. They called it quits. Uh, I can't speak to what caused them to do that. They were probably they were probably on the fence earlier than this. And then when this happened, they were like, there's no way we're going to continue it on, which is really unfortunate because that's one of the Vista's oldest breweries. Um, but yeah, there are a bunch of breweries who are kind of going like, I can furlough staff all I want, but uh, pretty soon a real decision has to be made of like, how, how does someone want to continue on? And I think the longer this goes, uh, you're going to see a lot of people go, I don't even want to make the attempt to get back into it. I'd rather just sell off all my assets and uh, get out as clean as I possibly can. Because it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to come back. I think for anybody, even even a, a well producing brewery, is gonna have a very difficult time well, even, keeping up with what they need to. Even us as barbers, we are in the same in the same boat. If any, if anything more, like Mikey works at my shop, and he is a sole proprietor. Like he is his own owner, and mm-hmm. me myself is the same way. And Constantine and Cat and and uh, they, like, for if it's two months out, that's two months not pay, but also they're not paying their, their rent in their house. Like, it's even on, it's on top of that, you know? So oh, yeah. At least for us, as soon as this, as soon as this opens, we have people that are, are more than willing to come and make, make, give us the money that we need to make, but we're still behind. I don't know, for me, yeah. it's, it's pretty high. And for them, it's no different, you know, like they are yeah. with us. So, I, I mean, it's, it's not just breweries. I mean, it's, it's so much more. Oh, no. Yeah. It's, it's everybody's being affected by this. I mean, there's, this isn't, uh, I mean, this isn't a new statement by any no, 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 no. chance, but like everybody is affected in this. And it's the only people who seem to not be really affected right now are the landlords who are expecting all of that money whether it's on time or three months from now. Uh, and they're going to have to work with every business owner because there's no way anyone can walk out of this unaffected. Yeah. Um, it's crazy with that. It's, it's really unfortunate. It's like on top of that, like there's some, some landlords, the only way they make their money is that payment that you get, that you, that you give them, you know, like they're making, totally. they're making that plus more, you know? So it's like, yep. 
those people live off of that. It's no different than it's the same. Absolutely. It's have a job, so it's it, it's such a it's such a weird leveling bullshit. And all the unemployment yeah. and PPPs and SBA. The SBA at least is money that the government is making back in some small way. But the PPP bullshit, they already ran out of money. Yeah. Yeah, we, we so we filed for all of that SBA. I backed that one because I understand that like, they're going to give us money. And they're going to give us plenty of time to pay it back. This is a good chance for businesses to pay off certain debt they already have at a lower interest rate. I mean, that is a, a worthwhile uh, program, in my opinion. The PPP, I'm not a big fan of it. Uh, we applied and we'll see if we end up using it, but it's really tricky how they've structured it. Um, and for us, we have 20 employees and for us to pay 20 employees to sit at home, which I don't mind that part, but it's, it's a weird structure. I don't want to, I don't want to affect our employees in some way where they end up having a hard time getting back on that unemployment because we had to furlough everybody. I mean, I'm, I'm furloughed. We went on a hundred percent furlough. And whatever we're doing that brings in money right now is bringing money into the company. Yeah. Um, we well, we originally went 100% furlough. Now we brought bought, well, now we brought back on our head brewer. We brought back on uh, our sales guy because now we actually see that sales are going to be able to continue. But in the beginning, we thought we were going to be shut down within a week Completely. for sure. Well, yeah. Same time. I thought everybody was. Yeah, and at the same time, if you get say you get the PPP for that time period, right? Yeah, and then you're allowed to open up halfway, and it's but no no help, right? So at that point, you're yeah. it's like this total fuckery. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it's not a. I don't think it's a good plan overall. I know that they had to throw something together, and you can't really expect something to be perfect in that situation, but I think it's kind of a shitty bandaid when it comes down to it, especially when, for a service industry. I mean, it's, it, it might be a different story for people who can work from home, uh, for people who can reduce hours, but for a service industry that can't offer their services, it, it, it does not work. For, um, for the industry at large, wasn't, until the coronavirus pandemic, wasn't the, the most breweries in America at any given time, right? So, like, uh, yeah, yeah. It surpassed prohibition time and we've had the most amount of breweries. I mean, we do still have the most amount of breweries. It has not right. been a widespread shutdown of breweries yet. I think it's a, a big deal when somebody is, but I think in about a month or two, you'll see a different number start coming out because some people are going to go, I can't make it. But yeah, we have the most amount of craft breweries in America. So with that, we've had the most amount of craft breweries. Do you think the culture, I mean, it's hard to tell any, uh, like see the future or anything like that, but you're on the the ground levels and you're on the floor of what's happening in industry. You probably talk to people who are excited possibly about doing it one day in their future in their lives. Do you Mm -hmm. think uh, culturally that that, motivation will be there maybe with the restrictions or maybe it's just i don't know if i really want to take the chance on on uh maybe round two of a pandemic and starting from something yeah no i mean i don't think the motivation will be there for a lot of i mean i think everyone who wants to brew beer and own a brewery will put some form of effort into that and and 
to opening one. But we kind of hit a point, and this happened a couple of years ago, where, well, I'll backtrack even more. Ten years ago, when I started really going to craft breweries, they were warehouses with no decoration, nothing, and it was just cool to get beer where it was being brewed. Uh, over time, because there were so many, everyone had to start scaling up what they were doing to gather that business, upgrading your tasting room, food trucks, art shows, live music, bingo night, all that kind of stuff. Well, if a lot of those incentives to bring a lot of people coming in go away because you have to operate at half capacity or at a, at a small capacity, no more live music, no more art shows, no more all of these events that bring people in, you're going to see a lot of people go, okay, well, what would I have to compete with with these other breweries who are already established uh, who aren't even legally allowed to operate at a full capacity? It's going to make it that much harder to open because I think a lot of people want to support who's making it through this. I don't know if you're going to see a lot of people going like, oh, I'm really excited a new brewery is coming along. Uh, I, it could be. I, mean, I think it depends on the names behind a new business, but I think you're going to see a lot of people just going, I want to support the person who made it through this whole shit storm. And I know that they're not able to operate at full capacity. So let's give them all the love that we can. So I would be surprised if you saw an influx of new breweries anytime soon, besides breweries that are already in motion. Right. Yeah, man. And I, I actually think that about, probably most industries if it would be weird if this whole thing ended in six months let's say and then a new restaurant went into motion right after that like yeah i guess that could be exciting for some people but for the most part it's like oh i want to make sure that the person the the restaurant down the street that i've been going to for years is getting all the attention and love they can because i know they're operating at a much lower uh, level right now yeah, I think there are businesses that are going to pop up because someone made money off of this pandemic. I guess I shouldn't do that, but yeah, <laughs> I mean more of it like because of the what's going on is what I'm saying. Yeah, well, you know, and, and I'm not saying you're not going to see anybody do it, but I'm really wondering, like, is the local community going to get behind that and want to support it? Think, One thing that I'm oh, go for it. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right by saying like the people that made it are the ones that are going to keep surviving because people are want to support those people. Hopefully, I mean when we when we started doing this, uh, you know, we set up the tent out front of the brewery, drive up service, mask, gloves, all this. Everybody knows that this is not what our business normally does. Yeah, we were pretty overwhelmed with how much support we got right away because we thought people were probably just going to be locked up in their houses, not going out, but people went out of their way to spend money and help us out. And it was, it was huge. And we did a promotion with our Buena Vista sales where like all the profits went to staff. People were driving down from San Clemente. We had a, so somebody found out that we were doing something like that. They had never had our beer before. They came down, bought a case of beer just to support what was going on. And seeing how much people care right now about like local community kind of makes me think that's what's going to be important when we come back into this, not people who want to take advantage of the restaurant that went out of business. And then they could just pop in, put a new, put a new banner on the front and say, okay, Hey, I'm the 
573rd gastropub in San Diego to open up in the past three years. Like, come to us now. I think people are going to want to go to the people who have been doing it already. I agree. And I hope I hope that's the case. I even set up a, an online store for our clothing, which I've never had. Like, we've never done mm-hmm. credit cards or anything. It's always been cash. And uh, then I did gift cards, and people have just bought yep. – we've had enough to – not cover our overhead, but enough to help us out a lot mm-hmm. and way more than I thought was ever going to happen. Like I had people reach out and they're like, I'm Mikey's barber and this is the money I'm giving for Mikey. Like, yeah. And for other barbers as well. And, and I, I didn't expect that at all. And I didn't ask for yeah. it. I just put it out there and said, Hey, we have an online store. We have gift yeah. cards and it, it all happened for itself. So I, yeah. That, that kind of shows towards what you're saying on the aspect of wanting the businesses they know and love to stay around. Yeah. I we, mean, we sold out of gift cards. I go to call. I mean, we were, every- we were running low on them, but we sold out of gift cards and that's like an awesome thing. And I, and I, I love that. Gift cards? that yeah. We sold out of gift cards, Whoa. uh, which is a rad problem to have. Right. Uh, and cool. that's a cool thing. Um, but it's kind of using that, like, okay, all these people bought this, these gift cards. So when we open back up, are we going to, to the public? Should we expect to be bringing in new money or are we going to be fulfilling gift cards? And I think that's where a lot of business owners need to be cautious of what they're doing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's keeping us alive at the moment, but what, what ends up happening if, your whole first month back in, you're not bringing in any money because everyone's just using those gift cards. So it's just making sure that you have that ratio figured out of like what, what you should be expecting. Yeah. I think a gift card should be always thought as a gift card. Like I, I would never expect a client to buy something in, as a gift card and expect to make that money to not have to pay it, you know, like for us to make that money now and then make it again. Like that, that just doesn't yeah. So that's why we yeah. have the, uh, you know, the shirts and the product that that's more yep. of a, a shop payment. Uh, it's more over the fact that like my barbers can't make money right now. Totally. They expect to make money when they open and no matter what that money is there when they open, yep. like it's just yep. sure we know, Hey, I know that I have this when I get back and that's, that's more or less what it is. Um, totally. whether or not, it's a business taking that money and using it, mm-hmm. to keep us afloat. So that way, when we do open, whether or not the client's giving the money or the shop is giving the money, they, the barber has that money when they open up or. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, that money in general, you know, it's, it's uh-huh. in a sense, it's a loan. Totally. And, and I mean, I'm not, I'm definitely not knocking at all. It's more of the, Hey, just make sure everyone who's doing that realizes you might not open up at this scale because a lot of that money is already gift card spent, which is fine because these gift cards really allowed everyone to keep chugging along and then make your new plan for moving forward. Cause everyone's going to be opening up differently. I mean, it might be different for, and I'm not speaking for you, but it might be different for a barbershop that has three people involved, four people, however many you guys have. But uh, when, you know, for us, we have, distribution we have our tasting room we have our private event space which focuses mainly on weddings 
we have the new location that's just i mean we finished it two weeks ago the build out uh so we had like a new location getting ready to launch in the midst of all of this uh yeah that's everyone's it's huge i mean it's insane and it's uh that's like one of the most overwhelming things right now but i actually think it'll be good for us in the long run because you're going to see such a adjustment in what kind of people are having private events specifically weddings where they're going to need a new place to get married or they need to their date got canceled and they need another spot and now we have the second venue that'll work for it i mean that that's going to be huge for us i know we didn't really talk about private events at all but that's actually like the biggest thing for our business yeah. uh, margin wise. We do like a hundred weddings a year on the other side of our building and we serve all of our own beer and then we serve wine and then people get married and it's like a nice mellow wedding venue. Um, you know, we have 50 events on the books for the rest of this year. And like we're telling people, Hey, we're probably gonna have to reschedule. We got to wait to find out like, does your wedding size count? Uh, do we have to cut it down? Uh, so having another venue that's larger and potentially able to like say, Hey, it doesn't work here, but it could work over there. It might really work out for us. Um, but everybody is going to have to adjust their business. There's nobody's coming out of this like on day one going, Oh, now I'm back to normal. Right. Yeah. Are you uh, coming out of it stronger, like more pushups? Uh, myself, no, but probably. Dave Verdani, the actual brothers, they will. I, I've drank more beer than I've ever drank in the past five weeks. Yeah, me too. Uh, not me. <laughs> well, that's good. That's I good. Get, I mean, since we've talked so much about COVID and the aspect of like being a sole proprietor, oh, I gotta put that on there. There it is. There's Chris. Um, being a sole proprietor on our level and you know so i'm the owner of a shop but i mean it really doesn't make a difference because you're you have an llc and you're on your own you're not much different but you also don't have that like overhead to worry about also like it still affects you just as much how how uh how are you doing on at this time on on that level we have overhead because we have a salon yeah but i mean yeah exactly but everything's frozen it's just you can only do so much. Um, we're probably a little bit more fortunate than other people because we have those LLCs that can work. We weren't able to get as much unemployment, but you know you have other structures built into it. And luckily, the salon, the place, they just froze rent. Don't know for how long, but well, they did. You know, you'll see. Yeah. Whoa, that's huge. So that saves money right there, but. Not every person is, is uh, as fortunate as that, but everyone is like chomping at the bits and at least in like the salon and barbering world, you know, everyone is out there just like, oh, I, I have to make money. And, I, and if I got to do it like underground or if I got to, you know, wrap my barbershop in trash bags and just fill people in it, some people are just going to do it no matter what. From a health and safety perspective, we're in a little bit better position to just kind of sit, but you can't sit forever because no one's frozen payments for everybody. Yeah, I don't have any. So, I don't have any frozen payments. I, mean, I gotta pay my rent at my house, um, you know, my cars and all that stuff. Everyone's more or less in the same boat. 
So I'm probably no different than anybody else. I can't say I do have a little bit more of a luxury because I don't have to be like at a grocery store or a gas station or shit like that, or a farmer or something like that, or a truck driver or a slaughterhouse worker who are actually, you know, doing the bulk of keeping the country, you know, from completely collapsing. If, if there wasn't anyone like shipping wheat and hops and bread and stuff like that, then it'd be a completely different story. Then it would be like an ultimate shit show scenario. So I, that's, you know, a, that's not, a real shutdown then. That's a real one. That's right. like everything is, is like you just sit in your house and whatever beans and water you have is what you got. Yeah. And that would be a, a phenomenally like devastating situation. So for me to sit in my house and just kind of like get bored and mow my lawn like twice a week, that's not terrible, but it's not sustainable. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's a, I good, like, a good way to look at it and good way, a good point to look at. Whereas like, yeah, we, you and I aren't essential and uh, we are able to take a vacation for a fucking month and a half or whatever it is and still get by. Like when this comes back, you and I still get to go to fucking work and do our shit. If we had shut down those places, like you said, like the farmers and the truck, the shit, the fucking is keeping us together. Then if that all got shut down, yeah, that would be shitty. And, and you are right. You are right to say like, we can fucking make do with this happening. Yeah, it's yeah. not ideal and it's definitely, there's nothing like anxiety free about it. I don't no. want to come off too cavalier like, oh, oh yeah, bro, I've just been meditating and like doing sit-ups and shit. But uh, <laughs> it's more of like, yeah, dude, it's super scary. We don't know what's going to happen. But in a different perspective, silver lining kind of a thing, if there is one, the fact that, you know, that most people I know haven't got sick. Uh, most people I know haven't had to like go out to work and I think about my clients I, I missed a ton of them probably like uh, Chris in the brewery where you just get used to faces and it becomes so habitual you're like this is what my day in and out goes like and, and I can more or less set my life on a clock to those things not having those human interactions is probably more like draining than detrimental de detrimental <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 more draining anxiety wise. It's like, ah, am I even going to remember how to cut hair? Am I going to hopefully these situations that I had the human connection just kind of click again? Yeah, um, and it just it's not going to start up like uh, Chris was saying. Nothing's going to go back to normal instantly. There's going to be a very bumpy like uh, transition back into it. Uh, but I think more or less everyone who is in a service capacity. There, there are people waiting around for, uh, for them to just like, hey, I want to go back to where I was. The harder part is going to be telling the people who are super anxious to do it. Like we have to have some sort of like tapering into it. We do so have to when, ease back in all of this. Yeah. And that's where the anxiety is going to kick in, I think, more. Because it's like cool. I could make a money instantly. Uh -huh. But it makes more sense to ease into it. And then not making that same amount, you're like, well, that's going to be harder because there's going to be well, no protections anymore. Yeah. And there, there are so many adjustments that have to be made. Let's just say for the sake of a scenario that they found out this wasn't a big deal anymore. And next week they said, everyone can open back up. Right. 
we don't have beer in the tanks. We couldn't even, we couldn't even offer business up the way that we normally do. And there's, there's going to have to be this reality of easing into every single business in, in some sort of way, because no one's going to be able to go, Oh yeah, I have every single staff member who's back on it. A lot of people are getting their staff going to work for another. Yeah, so we actually it cut out. Now we're back on, and instead of getting back into what we got, we'll just do some quick rounds of questions and end it with end it with uh, with that. I think this was cool. kind of a very good uh, interview slash podcast, whatever you want to call cool. it. And it uh, yeah, been good. Is Zoomcast taken? Probably. Oh. Probably Zoomcast is like total superhero. Dude, I think Zoom has been around for quite a while before this, but it just became huge through COVID nineteen. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been around for sure for a long time. It's been it's been used before FaceTime. I feel like even before that, oh, it was around. Really? Yeah, and and, uh, really? oh. and used with people that uh, actually needed it. <laughs> yeah, I normally hate this shit. I don't ever want to look at Mikey. Yeah, <laughs> I don't either. But. I like I get two days out of the week and I I enjoy my two days so that's cool. Add, add it um, on whatever. I'm ready for a haircut though. It's same. Yeah, we know. Here, let me let me uh, put it on yours only spotlight video. Bring your hair into focus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty wild. Uh, it looks like my chickens right now. I know Mikey normally shaves it. Level two, trims the beard, puts that hot shit on the back of my neck. It's dope. Yeah, it's one of things where, uh, like, usually... The hot shit is good. It's funny where all those barbers are like... like uh, I, and we talked about this on the last uh, podcast, but it's funny where barbers like, wait for me. But it's, it's more funny for people to cut their own hair. Or letting her out is pretty funny, too. Like, look at your hair. Yeah. I mean, I don't really care. I'm just ready summertime i don't want any hair on the top of my head i was telling them last time that i'm doing kind of like a we're all in this together protest kind of a thing but i'm not going to cut my hair until everybody can get their haircut yeah but you're bald you don't really have to i know but it's gonna look stupid when it grows out i'm hoping that it doesn't last months but in a few months if we're still sitting around i'm gonna look like shitty hollywood hulk hogan well, you can, like, you I'm guys can move. Big old bald spot and then just shit going down the side. Yeah. Kingpin. You guys can move to Georgia and open up a barbershop there. They're opening up everything this weekend with no cares yeah, in the world. I think it's already happened, right? I think they're all open. Well, so somebody, tell me, somebody tell me the other day, they're like, dude, they're opening up barbershops this weekend. And I was confused by that, but it was a reference to Georgia. But uh, I have seen some of the people with protesting signs that are like, I want my hair cut. Like, that's your stance? That's what you're using? <laughs> that's why you want to open? I'm tired of this shit. My roots are showing. Like, what? Who yeah. cares at that point? Uh, it's just yeah. a weird talking It's a weird talking point to make. It is. There are definitely more serious talking points to make yeah. than, like, how you look. You have You have one statement to make on a poster board, and it's, I want my hair cut. 
<laughs> I've been watching a lot of uh, Dr. Pole, which is a, a farm doctor on Disney Plus with Nat Geo. But he he goes out and sees all these people and all these people in Michigan. And uh, all their hair is pretty fried. So Like it's just fucked? Yeah, no, it's just bad hair. So I don't I don't really grasp the like whole hey, we need a haircut. When your hair is already garbage, your hair is garbage. I guess that's true. It is. Yeah. Your hair only looks so bad five weeks later. I mean yeah. it's bad, but I don't who who cares? Who sees yeah. it? You know, like why does it matter? Like, yeah, I think I think it's a good a good aspect of your life on the level of like making yourself feel comfortable and good. It's like taking a fucking shower, right? You take a shower, yeah. you feel better. You yeah. go get a haircut, you feel better. But does it really matter to the whole out, outlook of humanity? No. Well, use it, using it as like the talking point. Like yeah. right now, right now it's everyone's just sitting at home watching Netflix. Netflix is not judging your shitty haircut. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So you use what's a use a better talking point. What's your new Netflix video? Uh, movie, movie show. Uh, my girlfriend and I just finished watching all of the uh, that Grace and Frankie show. Super tight. That's why. Oh, with the old people. You know, I was gonna start it. That's rude, Mikey. It's two sure. lovely elderly women are finding themselves for the first time in their lives is it yeah, good? rules i love it we, we watched like six seasons in three weeks oh i'm gonna i just started waco whilst i will did you yeah unless uh my girlfriend and I I one episode. all of them i've only all heard one episode so we watched we watched the first episode one night and then we watched the next five and there's only six episodes yeah you know, you know what it is. I think I think they came out with it because two of the main dudes have a new movie coming out. I think that's why I got put on because all that stuff was shot in 2018. Yeah, but I mean, it already happened. So why 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 shoot it quick? Like, let's, it's a good story. No, first episode. It, I'm like, it, holy shit! I want to keep watching. Yeah, yeah. Mike, have you seen it's, it? Uh, no, I'll have to watch it though. You need to. I'm not. I'm not trying to sympathize with. Uh, some people who were clearly kind of kooks, but uh, cult. The, the the government did them cult. dirty. I will say that cult or kook. No, totally. But there's a lot of. I'm not going to give it away to you. It's You'll still watch media. it. It's still media, though. Like think about that too. Like they're cults, and I'm not. I'm not an organized religion kind of guy, but. Uh, what brought the government to them and how that whole thing played out. I was, I mean, half the time I'm sitting there, I'm like, well, I'm rooting for this cult. But uh, that stuff was have to check it out now. crazy. It, it's pretty, I mean, I'm not rooting for them as a cult, but. Uh, you know what's shitty is that the most, the reason I, I looked towards it most was because on Tiger King, he's like, this is going to be another Waco. And I'm oh. like, fuck, now I gotta watch a documentary on the Waco. So uh, dude, I, I went into a lengthy Wikipedia <laughs> lookup about what happened with Waco afterwards. Because the tiger uh, tiger, whatever. No, no, I didn't even I forgot that he even said that, but I didn't realize that uh the Oklahoma City bombing was largely based off of Waco. And apparently 
Timothy McVeigh of the Oklahoma, Oklahoma City bombing was like in the media circus during Waco. Had no clue. Yeah, he was like it, on the side of the road. He had a yeah. sign. Yeah. Well, that guy sucks. He had a sign there. It wasn't about his hair, but that's all that matters. I just want to get my goddamn haircut again. Yeah. You know, I I saw the uh, like when you load Netflix it has like little um, preview uh-huh. of the shows and. And um, it was very, it was like the two chicks talking at the, at the um, clothesline. Oh, yeah. Yeah, about that thing. And and I was like, oh, fuck, I got to watch this one. Because they're saying a bunch of shit. And the cult that I grew up with that had like very similar, like leanings and stuff like that. Yeah, you did. I I mean, when you watch it, clearly you're not in favor of what they're preaching or doing whatsoever. But the way at least that this show portrays all of it, it's like, yeah, you guys are kooks, but you're kooks hanging out with your own thing. You made these decisions to be polygamous or whatever. Yeah. Right. But uh, it's more how the, what's crazy is how the government handled the situation, which is boggling. They they attack both ends, which is kind of cool. Yeah. But they attack both ends on the extreme. So it's like, Yep. Crazy here, crazy here. Like, it's great. It. If you haven't seen it, you should fucking watch it. Well, yet. I just I was just out in Texas a couple months ago, and uh, we drove through Waco, and a buddy who lives out there, he's like, "Yeah, it's really unfortunate. This place has such a bad rap because of what happened." But all that didn't even happen in Waco. That's just where most of the media was uh, camping out at. So Waco has this crazy bad rap like 20 years later or whatever for like one situation that happened on one property and like Waco as a town is like crazy affected. I never it's wild until now, you know, like, yeah. Like yeah, Waco, that'd be like if the most I think about Waco, Texas is the, the pool. Isn't there a pool there that you can surf at? I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a surf pool in Waco. Waco's like where like the surf pool started almost in a sense. Huh. I don't surf. We should probably get a surf around here so we can talk about Waco. What are you talking about, Mikey? You got a total surfer's body. <laughs> well, I, have, I know something you want to talk about Waco. Either way, it, it's just weird how they, they, ask, they, they put both aspects of it. They go they – go, like way far on both ends and uh yeah the shitty part of both ends and uh i, I would much rather talk to someone on here uh, that was there and actually fucking know oh that. that'd be wild yeah i, I, I couldn't even imagine no it'd be, be, it'd be like talking to mikey now you know like, it'd be like talking to mikey I, but I with a good it. story i get it <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true. Uh, well, before we run out of time again, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, I, really, me, yes. I feel like we really, really got a, an insight about uh, breweries right now. Uh, not just yeah. breweries, but businesses, small businesses, uh, businesses that have been fucking trying to progress and in a good spot. And then all of a sudden this shit hits. And uh I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking to us about that. Yeah. Thanks, man. I mean, I, I do want to end this with one thing, like 
what's cool about the beer industry is it's, I feel like it's already a resilient industry and they're, all of us are constantly trying to be creative, doing something new. So if there was an industry that could make it through this, I think the craft beer alcohol industry could do it. Uh, you'll probably see some drop off, which is really unfortunate. I mean, I hope I have every single neighbor that I have six months from now. Um, but just adapting is what's important right now. I, I think everyone has to get creative and find out what they can do different to ensure the livelihood of their business and their staff and all that. And I think there's a lot of room to grow and, you know, we, we have such a cool product at the end of it and we have something that people will always want in my opinion. So we might not be able to go about business the way we were before, but I do think we're in an industry where adapting is really impossible is possible, not impossible. Uh, but but uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what kind of changes come out of this, try to go about it positively and hopefully we all make it out pretty solid. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, yeah. Thank and, you again uh, for coming on and all our listeners. Thank you for watching or listening and please remember that this is new to us and we're trying to do our best to make, make zoom and, and adding Zoom casting and all the shit, the, the way, uh, the way we're doing it. Works. Is there a way to blur out Mikey's face so we don't have to watch it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it looks fine. Let me see. I, yeah, mean, I know you do. It looks okay. ish. It looks yeah. the same. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're sitting farther yet. back. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, push that yeah, back. yeah. If you had a hat, then you'd look good. <laughs> what would make it Chris if you didn't do that? So that's true. Yeah, that's true. Thank you again. All right, later, you guys. Later. later.